0: Now, by nature, some of those companies might be very boring. Well, yeah, that's terrific. I look, that's great. Companies that are boring are wonderful for me. I've done well with companies like Dunkin' Donuts. Peter Lynch here just said something that nobody really wants to say anymore. Companies that are boring are wonderful. He loves boring companies. In fact, he mentions Dunkin' Donuts, which is a very boring company. All they do is they sell donuts, and he earned 10 times as money on that investment. But investing in boring companies like Dunkin' Donuts is not the way that people want to invest anymore. There's so many exciting investments out there, and new ones pop up almost on a daily basis now. Going back just a couple years, we saw the rise of tech companies, the rise of fintechs in particular, people buying genomics companies, in which they have no clue even what those companies do on a surface level. We've seen people looking far and wide to jump into the next exciting investment, venturing out into things like electric vehicles. After the success of Tesla, almost every EV stock surged in price, causing companies like Nikola that had no product to speak of to reach valuations of $20 billion. Then we had the rise of SPACs, untested, unproven, speculative startup companies that are pre-revenue skyrocketing in price before, of course, crashing later on. We see things like GameStop drawing in new investors that want to make quick money by investing in something that goes parabolic. And now we see that same fervor and the search for the next exciting investment move into the sphere of crypto. Bitcoin, the leading crypto, has gone up multiples over just the past few months. And now even memes like Dogecoin, which is reminiscent of the tulip mania of the past, has gone up 8,000% year to date. A meme. Dogecoin is up 8,000%. People don't want to just invest. They want to invest in what's exciting. That's what I want to discuss in today's episode. The reason that I prefer to invest in boring companies over exciting ones. Now, I first want to loop back to Peter Lynch. He said that boring companies are wonderful, that he loves boring companies because of how predictable they are. In fact, his whole investment philosophy is to invest in good growing companies that you can easily comprehend their products and services and that consumers understand that you understand what you own when you're investing in those companies. This is core to his investing strategy. Peter Lynch, the Wall Street wizard who transformed Fidelity's Magellan Fund, believes in buying stock in companies easily understood by the average consumer. His method of spotting small, well-run and growing businesses led him to invest in Haynes Hosiery and Dunkin' Donuts. Okay, so Lynch likes investing in boring companies. He bought companies like Haynes and Dunkin' Donuts. Well, let's take a look at his performance. A lot of people aren't quite familiar with just how much Peter Lynch outperformed the market. This little clip right here illustrates clearly how much he outperformed the market over his entire tenure, beginning to end. Since 1977, Lynch's Magellan Fund returned 2,470% as compared to a return of little better than 500% in Standard & Poor's 500 stock index. The companies that Peter Lynch invested in may be boring, but those returns are not. He returned 2,400% plus during the same time period where the S&P 500 returned 500%. Over a decade long, he crushed the market from the very beginning to the end of his career and his tenure over the Magellan Fund. Now, my portfolio, I don't think I'm going to be able to replicate Peter Lynch's results. He is one of the greatest investors to ever live. He's a legend and not many people can replicate his type of success. But I do think we can increase our chances of success by listening to his advice of investing in boring companies with easily understood products that consumers like. When I look at some of my best investments in my portfolio, they follow that same pattern. They're companies that are well known, like Walt Disney, that have easily understood products like Disney Plus that consumers love and has the ability to expand to a very wide audience. That's the very same thing that Peter Lynch looked for. Dunkin' Donuts, a simple company with a simple ingredient, not fully scaled to saturation. This is the same thing I see with Disney+. With Apple, another stock that I've done well in, this is again another well-known company. It's no secret, not hiding anywhere. And it has well-known, widely understood products that most people that use them enjoy. And they're growing their business continually with subscription services and a variety of different products. This is a company that I think is a good investment and it's had good returns so far. Home Depot, this is another company that although I like shopping there and I think they have interesting products, it's mostly a boring company. It's mostly just warehouses that sell home improvement products. That's all it is. But yet this company continues to beat the S&P 500 year after year after year while paying dividends at the same time. And then we have Costco, which is literally a warehouse subscription company that has done the same thing for the past 30 years that it is today. It doesn't even raise its prices for its hot dogs and drinks. There's nothing exciting about Costco. You know what you're getting when you go there. You're getting a tour of all the different products and different selections they have, and yet people continue to shop there despite all the competition, all the different events happening in the world. Costco continues to outperform the market. And of course, we could say the same thing about Target, a brand everybody knows and understands. It's beat the market. We could say the same thing about Nike or Starbucks or so on and so forth. I'm not cherry picking here. All these are examples of simple products and simple companies easily understood that tend to outperform the market over long periods of time. The returns of Bitcoin and Dogecoin are told to you every single day, every single week. This is what Bitcoin did today. This is what it did last week. This is how much Dogecoin is up right now. Lots of articles, lots of videos, lots of clickbait made around those type of investments. What you're not hearing about is the returns of this company right here, Domino's. Yes, you heard me right. Domino's Pizza. This company has outperformed the S&P 500 over the past 10 years to such a large extent that they're barely even comparable at this point. Domino's Pizza has returned 2,453% over the past 10 years, while the S&P 500 has returned 281%. 2,400% to 281%. That's the amount of outperformance that Domino's had, a pizza company. That's all they really sell is, in my opinion, mid-tier pizza. But yet this company has trounced the general market. Even in the past five years, Domino's has dramatically outperformed the general market. Yet you don't hear a lot of coverage about Domino's. You don't see thumbnails with pizzas on the thumbnail over and over again talking about Domino's stock. The reason being, well, it's not that exciting to talk about a pizza company. So while there's many other possible investments that exist, many other exciting things you can put your money into, I continue to invest in companies that I think are boring and predictable, and they have good risk-adjusted returns and good future prospects. Those are the type of companies that I'll continue to buy. And the next boring company that I'll be buying in my portfolio is microsoft this is a company that i've had in my portfolio for some time but i'm investing more and more into this company growing my stake in it and i want to explain why first of all just on the surface level microsoft is a dividend paying company they've been paying dividends for over a decade they continually raise their dividend by 10 percent per year and i believe that microsoft has one of the safest most well-protected dividends in the market and i believe that microsoft will continue to pay their dividend for decades into the future Not years, but decades into the future. In fact, I wouldn't be surprised if Microsoft's dividend outlives me. The second reason is that Microsoft is a boring, highly predictable business that has a growing stream of revenue that continues to grow around 15% year over year and that should continue for years into the future. Well, that's good. We have a boring company that should continue to pay me dividends and grow my passive income for decades into the future. But what has Microsoft been up to for the past few years. What is this company doing now? Microsoft has been up to a few different things. First of all, we all know that they transitioned their legacy products, their office suite of products that we all know, like Microsoft Word or Excel or PowerPoint, from on-premise software to now cloud software right they transitioned it from on-premise to cloud it's basically the same thing but now it allows them to do subscription billing automated updates multi-user licensing and it allows them to continually push out new features on an incremental basis creating a larger moat against competitors this also results in that nice subscription income for microsoft And as we're all aware, subscription income is the most desired form of income for any company. You might notice why every company on planet Earth is trying to move into subscription income. That's because it's the most desirable form of income. Microsoft is already there. They are largely a subscription company by almost every single product and service that they offer. What else has Microsoft been up to? Well, currently they're waging war against Amazon. Amazon has Amazon AWS, their cloud business, and Microsoft is growing their own cloud business called Microsoft Azure. And they're putting a big emphasis on this. In fact, Microsoft is growing their cloud business by a much faster rate than Amazon, and they're catching up in market share. The cloud opportunity is huge. Every bit of data that we do is in the cloud. Everything we communicate, every text message, every email, every service we use like Disney Plus or Netflix, all of that is in the cloud. And the companies like Microsoft and Amazon that build out this new infrastructure, they're going to be the telecom companies of the digital age. They will control the infrastructure of how data is hosted. By most estimates, Amazon still leads. But we're in the early race to saturate the cloud infrastructure. Microsoft is catching up fast. Microsoft has a competitive advantage because so many companies already use their Office suite of software, they can easily integrate it into the Azure cloud offering. Things like Teams, things like Office 365, all of that easily integrates into Azure, not AWS. So companies have special incentive to use Microsoft's cloud offering because of how well it works with their ecosystem. The race to build out this cloud infrastructure is a massive opportunity for microsoft and again it's only in the early innings. if they end up owning a big portion of this market share they will continue to benefit from that for decades in the future okay so we know that microsoft has transitioned from a legacy on-premise business to a cloud software business and now they're growing microsoft azure rapidly building out the infrastructure of cloud hosting well what else have they been up to Well, according to Sasha Nadella, the CEO of the company, they're very serious about video games. In his latest shareholder letters, Sasha Nadella says that gaming is the most expansive category in the entertainment industry meaning out of the entire entertainment industry, with all of Hollywood, all video, all music, gaming is growing the quickest. Three billion people around the world look to gaming for entertainment, community, and achievement, and our ambition is to empower each of them wherever they play. We saw record engagement and monetization this year led by strength on and off the console as people everywhere turn to gaming to connect, socialize, and play with their friends during a time of social distancing. Our Xbox Game Pass service, now has more than 15 million subscribers. You notice again, even with gaming, they're focused on the subscription income, which like I've said many times, is the holy grail of income. Microsoft has this on every basis, through their Office Suite, Azure and cloud hosting, Everything comes down to subscription income, and Microsoft has it. He says quality differentiated content from Flight Simulator to Minecraft is the engine behind the service's growth. Our pending acquisition of ZeniMax Media, which owns Bethesda, a lot of iconic games, one of the world's largest privately held game developers and publishers, will add iconic franchises to the more than 100 quality games already available. He says we're also transforming how games are distributed, played, and viewed, bringing cloud gaming. Again, they're focused on the cloud. All of this is service oriented. He says to Game Pass. So subscribers can stream games to the phone, the tablet, or play along with nearly 100 million Xbox Live players. So Microsoft is already heavily grown into corporate software. They're growing their cloud business and they're moving heavily into gaming. All different verticals that have huge growth ahead of them. But Microsoft hasn't stopped there. They continue to win these big government contracts. It seems like the government and the regulatory body likes Microsoft. They won the Pentagon's $10 billion Jedi contract thwarting Amazon. And Amazon's very upset about this. In fact, they're suing and protesting this decision. Microsoft recently won another US Army contract for augmented reality headsets worth up to $21.9 billion over 10 years. This is another massive contract from the federal government. And almost as important as what Microsoft has been doing is what they haven't been doing. Microsoft hasn't been getting into trouble. Big tech is going on trial. Here's an article by The Verge. We all know about the big tech companies that got pulled into Congress to be looked at with unfair business practices, with antitrust issues, with possible regulations from the federal government. The Verge reported last year on July 29th that lawmakers are set to face the chief executives of the tech industry's four most powerful players. These are the four most powerful players according to The Verge, Amazon, Apple, Facebook, and Google. Well, Microsoft isn't there. It's like they don't even exist. Microsoft has a bigger market cap and makes more in income than three of those four companies. They are the second biggest tech company in the world, but according to The Verge and lawmakers, they may as well not even exist. The CEOs that had to go to Capitol Hill and got reamed by Congress were Sundar Pichai of Google, Mark Zuckerberg of Facebook, Jeff Bezos of Amazon, and Tim Cook of Apple. Notice who's not in this picture. This guy right here, the CEO of Microsoft, Sasha Nadella. Microsoft has somehow avoided the scrutiny of the federal government, antitrust issues, unfair business practices, while having one of the most significant moats and competitive advantages that exist in the market today. Out of the thousands of companies you can invest in, Microsoft has arguably one of the biggest moats in the market. So while Microsoft might not be the most exciting investment, this company excites me as an investment. I'm excited about the prospects of earning money in a good risk-adjusted return and buying into a company that has stable growth, stable revenue, many verticals that it can continue to expand in, and it will pay me dividends and a growing stream of revenue for years and decades into the future. That type of thing is exciting to me. That's the reason why I'm buying more heavily into this company. Now, the tough part that's somewhat unique about buying Microsoft is this company rarely dips. If we look at its price versus its 200-day moving average, It's only dipped below it like twice in the past five years. That's not normal. Most companies have a much higher volatility than Microsoft. Microsoft always seems to continue to trend upwards over time, having maybe small dips in between. If you're looking for some huge buy-in point for Microsoft, you may be waiting a long time. So even though the price right now might not be ideal to buy Microsoft, it's trading at 26 times its cash flow. From what I've seen observing this company, there's rarely an ideal time to buy into it. And waiting on the sidelines for an opportune time only results in it going up more and more. So I'm buying now with another 2000 order today. And if the price drops in the future, if it has some type of sell-off, I'll just be buying more of it. This is a company I plan on holding for at least 10 years at an absolute minimum. So I'm not concerned if we have some type of dip in this company, but for right now, this is one of those boring companies that I wanna have a bigger stake of in my portfolio. So that's the update so far. I hope you guys enjoyed the video and the reasons that I'm buying Microsoft. I'd be interested to hear your thoughts on it. If you want to see the rest of my portfolio, there's a link in the description. You can click through and see all the different companies that I bought into. And I'm continuing on building my dividend income. And so far, my upcoming dividends are looking really good. I have some big ones from JP Morgan and AT&T that are coming in soon. Over the next month, I should be getting at least $700 in dividends. So if you want to have access to the spreadsheet as well, it's something that we offer in the Patreon. You can. And check that out if you're interested and you want to bring your membership into the next level. Other than that, I appreciate you and I'll talk to you next time.